Coming to you with the unspoken words. This is a Red Road Perspective. With humility, experience, reflection, and that unique style of indigenous humor, we discuss the issues that affect our mind, body, spirit, and emotional well-being as natives in recovery. Mobriety. Community, accountability, transparency, and service work. Uh, hope. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That sounds funny. <laughs> that sounded funny. No, no, uh-uh. I was just, I was, oh. just, I was just being a smartass. So are we on? Yeah, we're. Yeah, we're, we're on. on. We're, no, I'm waiting oh, okay. for. I'm waiting. <laughs> what job? Oh, the now we do it. Let's redo it. Let's redo it. We're already a minute Welcome in. Welcome this, to this week's episode of the Hot Dog Slayers. <laughs> of the Hot Dog Slayers from the East Coast all the way to Northwestern United States uh, of America. Hey. <laughs> <laughs> Just, just the water for me, please. <laughs> he said, "I bring my own hot dogs." <laughs> All right, welcome to Unspoken Words, episode fifty-four in the house. Um, joining us, I'm all the way in D.C., so I can't say to my right, but usually sitting to my right is the. Ace, the hole in one shooter, JC McGavin, your favorite Indian, JCB. Say what's up. Yo, yo, what's up, what's up? And usually sitting to my left is Randy B in the place to be, the pod daddy. He ain't even trying to preach. Say what's up. Hello, hello, hello. And joining us tonight, special guests all the way from the land of the mighty few, Mr. Appleseed, Johnny O'Cow. Say what's up. What up? What up, what up? And you know me, Mo Hugs, not drugs, Mr. Pacifier, still your lighter, XBIA firefighter. <laughs> all coming all the way from um, DC right now. The Arlington. tomb of the unknown soldier. <laughs> yeah. I sing to the dead this week. Holy cow, bro. <laughs> <laughs> Well, Arlington is a cemetery, huge, like biggest cemetery, like as big. Hey, you know how many? Yeah. You know how many dead people are in there? All of them. Oh <laughs> man! <laughs> <laughs> All right, you heard that one, man. I used to tell that joke back in the day. How many people? But no, man, it was a trip. It was man, it was a trip, man. And like, first off, like we. Our flight was delayed on Monday. We didn't get here till like midnight. And then we had all these meetings, like with the planning committee, the tour guides. So I didn't even get to bed till like two. And I had to get up at 5.30 and like 12 hours, 12, 13 hours of stuff we had to do. So what, what time did you leave and what time did you get there? Did you like go back to the future or did you go... <laughs> Go back to what? Oh, back to the future? Yeah, yeah. Two hours and like, well, I got to Bellings Airport like at 4.30 in the morning. Yeah. But we actually didn't leave until 9. 
But we got here to D.C. at midnight. Oh, man. How long? Okay, well, let me ask you this. How long were you in the air, I guess? How long was your actual? Uh, Probably actual air time, like six hours. Damn. The rest of that was sitting around waiting. Oh, like, would you have layover and stuff? Yeah, yeah. So, like, we left Billings, went to Salt Lake, sat in Salt Lake for, like, three, four hours, and then flew to New York and sat in New York for, like, Hour and a half to make a Queens, New York. Um, Queens, huh? Yeah, and then from there flew into DC, the Reagan Airport. <laughs> but yo, man, the trippy part, the trippy part was like, did you see it was 50? nighttime when we left? Was that? Did you see fifty? Fifty? No, I'm looking about? for uh, McDowell's. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I was trying. What was their burgers called? <laughs> Big Mick. <laughs> oh, the Big Mick. Did you, how was the Big Mick? <laughs> when you think of Hakeem, <laughs> when you think of trash, think of Hakeem. <laughs> why did it take five hours? Like, why did you get to the Bellings Airport so early? Because our flight was supposed to leave at six oh. in the morning. But it got delayed, and then I just delayed everything else, and they rerouted us and all that stuff. Damn. But yeah, the trippy part was like, we left New York at like 10, 1030 or something like that. It was nighttime. And like, we took off into the air and it was like nothing but lights from New York, Queens, like nothing but lights all the way to DC. Damn. There was never a break. It was just like one big city. Wow. Well, I, I, I don't know if I can handle all that, bro. Man, that was trippy. I was, like, <clears throat> I was waiting because I was looking out the window the whole ride. And just visiting with the person I was sitting next to me, and I was waiting for like the lights to stop, but it never stopped. How long was the flight from New York to DC? Uh, it was like forty-five minutes. Damn, you guys probably would have went faster on the train, huh? I don't, I don't know. What? <laughs> don't what? they? <laughs> what? They could have instead of waiting for their flight, they could have just jumped on a train from. Oh, from New York. Yeah. <laughs> from New York to D.C., like, you know what I mean? I was just saying, like. Jump on, yeah. the, jump and, on a train, he'd still be on his way over. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> but, yeah, anyway, yeah, just kind of here with the plenty coup, uh, honor guard veterans that have served the United States military, and they they started all the events for the Tomb of the Unknown Soldiers. So it's like the 100-year anniversary from when Chief Plenty Cruz put his war bonnet and his coup stick um, on the Tomb of the Unknown Soldier from World War One. So there was like, back then, there's like thousands of like um, military servicemen that went missing, MIA, or killed in action that never came back. So they selected one of those bodies that was buried in France and they brought it back to the U.S. And that was supposed to be symbolic of all those soldiers that never came home. Their bodies were never found. Hmm. So it was like a national memorial spot. So oh, I, um, do they, don't they put a new one in for every war or no? Yeah. So like they did for World War Two. Then the Korean War and Vietnam War, but the, so there's four of them there until like the mid '90s, and then the mid '90s, you know, the forensic 
Oh yeah, uh, easy, they were easy. All that, yeah, all that stuff. They they identified the Vietnam one and sent those remains back to his his family. Mm. Um, it was actually one reporter that went and did all the research and figured out it was probably him. So they exhumed the body and did the DNA test, and it was him. So they sent his remains back to his family, and he got buried in like Philadelphia or something or Virginia. So that tomb for the Vietnam veterans is, is empty, oh. but all the other ones are still have remains in them. Okay, okay. But it was a really powerful thing. And it's like, I think it's like over, it's been a long time since like 50 years, over 50 years that nobody's even been able to approach the tomb of the unknown soldiers. And the plenty crew color guard got to kick that off. And then like all day, Tuesday and Wednesday, People from like all over the country just came to the Arlington um, Cemetery. And they're able to jump in line, grab flowers, and go grab a rose and go lay it down by the tomb of the unknown soldier. Damn. So I got to sit there for like a half hour and watch like a hundred people walk by and put a flower down. And I was just like, it was really powerful. Like just to think about all those people who gave their lives you know, died in at war in the military and stuff. And it was just like, it was very emotional for me. I was just sitting there and watching all of those people come through. That's crazy. Like all walks of life, man. Hell yeah. So are you getting lots of pictures? Yeah. Yeah. Getting tons of pictures is kind of one of my roles, kind of being my brother's roadie. Cause he's one of the, um, honor guard. Yeah. That was, and the honor guard, man, they were, man, looking cool, man. They had, like, the leggings, <clears throat> um, and they had their war shirts and war bonnets, and their faces were painted with the family paints and stuff, man. It was, man, they looked cool, like, like badass, like, for real. Look, my heart soars like a hawk. <laughs> yeah, like a chicken on, like a pretty anyway, chicken. enough about me, how you guys? Oh man, holding it down. Me okay. And, <laughs> me and the sandwich cookie. <laughs> <laughs> earlier earlier when I I got him right here, but uh Johnny walked in and opened the door and but he took off. Boom. <laughs> and so we had oh, to, that Oreo. Yeah, so we had to run uh oh anyway, for you people who are listening, I I've been uh babysitting Josiah's dog Oreo and <laughs> yeah, they opened the door and man, he went to places in this church I've never even been in. We finally cornered him in that gym way down there. Remember their workout gym? Right, he went all the way down there. Yeah. Holy smokes. Man, he's tripping. Yeah, he is a fast one. <laughs> but other than that, man, just, you know, you know. <clears throat> I'm good. Word. Yeah. So you had some games or what? Would you well, have a questionnaire? No, no, no. I just figured I'd throw out some, uh, just to get this kind of warmed up. <clears throat> Even though you're listening to your DC stories, I could go, I can listen all night. But <laughs> I figured I'd throw out some, uh, just some random facts at you guys and let you guys dissect them. Or I was supposed to be out in DC next week, but they changed ours to virtual. So, oh, for real? Yeah. What were you going to do here in D.C.? Uh, there was a conference for my work that we're supposed to be a part oh, of. Dang. 
Yeah, that was, you know, that was a part of, uh, <laughs> yeah, that was a part of it. And, and then they switched it to virtual. So uh, I'm I stuck home. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah. You know what I was going to say before before we get, jump into these facts? But uh, the reason why I asked you, you're taking lots of pictures because I noticed you texted us a picture of Smokey Bear. What is that, Smokey Bear? Yeah. Smokey Bear. Yeah, Smokey Bear and... uh. Abraham Lincoln. Smokey Bear ain't on the ain't I'm just kidding you, bro. <laughs> I say Smokey the Bear. <laughs> Buzz, you look like Abe Lincoln. Hey, you look like Abe. Look like Abe Lincoln's relative. You guys look oh, like man, we native. went into the hood last night for dinner. Oh. How was it? Uh, it's called uh, Ben's Chili Bowl or something like that. There's like a lot of famous people been there. Like their wall was covered with like all these presidents and stuff that ate there. But man, we were going there and like two corner blocks in a row, man, there's like crackheads dancing. Uh-oh. They didn't have no headphones on, nothing, man. They were just oh. dancing, getting down. And that scared all the, like, <laughs> scared some of the people in the bus. <laughs> <laughs> How are you guys getting around like a bus? Yeah, just a big old charter. Okay. Don't stop here. <laughs> those are those are the best eating spots. Go to the hood. <laughs> yeah, man, it was good. It was good. I wonder if they have tours like at Crow Fair, and then that's what they see too. Huh? You see those guys? Look at that. He doesn't even have his headphones on. <laughs> <laughs> Rock and roll, rock and roll, rock and roll. <laughs> Shut up, man, Mickey. These guys are getting down, too, man. Like, not even just kind of like, man, like full body. That one cat looked like he, man, if you threw a grass dance outfit on him, man, he could win. Yeah. <laughs> he was busting out the competition moves, huh? Yeah, man, he was, he was smooth, too, with it. <laughs> Should have put him in your... Should have battled him. Should have battled him. I know. <laughs> Should have let uh, Oli and them sing, and then you could have battled him. <laughs> that, um, what was it? Someone yelled, open the door, because Manny was, like, right by the door, because we were right at the stoplight, and someone yelled, open the door, here all those kids and women started saying, no! <laughs> <laughs> he danced his way right onto the bus. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> all right, anyway, so... Man, I don't know how to follow that. This is going to sound dumb. Why? I'm just kidding. <laughs> He's got interesting stories, and I just got, yeah, random, I just got random facts. Random facts, dude. Random facts. <laughs> <laughs> All right, okay, so check this out. First random fact of the evening. The hashtag symbol is technically called an octothorpe. Oh, the pound sign? The pound sign, Octothorpe? Yeah. Octothorpe with a P. Octothorpe Salina. Huh. Hey, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> this guy's getting all Espanol on it. Octothorpe of Zalaganacona. Oh, I see what you're doing. I see what you're doing. Uh, Octothorpe you tradition. Yeah, Octothorpe tradition. <laughs> <laughs> Octothorpe Honor Guard. Octothorpe, 
Octothorpe Oreo. My Octothorpe Penny Coo. All right. Coo. Coo. Octothorpe Coo. Octothorpe Coo. All right, check this one out. The hundred, the one hundred folds in a chef's hat represent one hundred ways to cook an egg. Is there really a hundred ways to cook an egg? Apparently, you can boil it, fry it, it, saute it, 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 saute it, it, barbecue it. There's egg burger, egg egg sandwich, (laughs) egg quesadilla, egg egg kebab, egg hot dog. dog. But that's what it says. There's a hundred ways to cook an egg. And I I can only do one. (laughs) Scrambled. Three. Scrambled, fried, and boiled. (laughs) Oh, yeah. I'm boiling egg, too. That's pretty cut and dry. Okay, check this one out. Some cats are allergic to people. What? Is that the hairless kind? Uh, No, it says... It's pretty un uh, it's pretty uncommon due to the fact that we bathe ourselves more often and don't shed as hair shed as much hair or dead skin, but yes it does happen. Hmm. That doesn't say why. They might be allergic to you. I think it's your cologne. Because <laughs> he's an aqua velva man. <laughs> Damn man, damn it! <laughs> okay, check this one out. Uh, you can major in wine at Cornell University. Wine taster, or just like wine? Just well, wine. technically wine the, making. Technically, the degree is called viticulture and enology, also known ah. as also known as the cultivation of grapes and the science of winemaking. Oh, viticulture analogy? Oh. I was going to go into that ah. one. I was, I was about to go into that. <laughs> that was my major freshman year. <laughs> Unofficially. Oh, that's what you were talking about. <laughs> then I found the red road. Then I found the red road. And I switched majors. Okay, the last one. Oh, wait, no. Okay, well, two more. Uh, The largest sandcastle in the world measured 54 feet high. It took took 168 trucks over a week to deliver enough sand for this carefully sculpted masterpiece. And I... When I went and uh, took the screenshot, I cut out half of it so I can see what looks like a hot dog. Doesn't that look like a hot dog to you? <laughs> look. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah, it does. It does. It's 150, 168 trucks worth of hot dogs. 54 feet high. Hot dog sand. Hot dog sand. A group of bunnies is called a fluffle. <laughs> oh, fluffle. I saw a fluffle this morning. <laughs> I, I saw a single member of a fluffle the other day. <laughs> a batch of rabbis. <laughs> a batch of rabbis. There was a batch of rabbis <laughs> down the road from me. <laughs> got chased by a batch of. I got chased by a fluffle. <laughs> here's one here's one you might like uh the way you eat oreos says something about your personality huh mm. biters it- okay check it out biters are easygoing and self-confident 
while Dunkers displayed more energetic and adventurous qualities. Twist- Twisters, <laughs> on the other hand, are sensitive and trendy. So how do you use- are you a biter or a dunker? <laughs> Depends on how I'm feeling that day. Can, can, can we do both? What about the onceers? <laughs> I'm a biting dunker. <laughs> <laughs> Twist, dunk, bite. Twist, dunk, bite. Oh, man. So, which one are you guys then? We're talking about Oreos. <laughs> oh, which one are you guys? Are you a biter? Are you a dunker? I got. I gotta be. I got. I'm, done, I'm a are dunker. You a twister? Yeah. Dunker. I'm a dunker. I don't feel comfortable revealing that information. <laughs> I don't. I don't feel I it's appropriate. Duncan Biter. Duncan Biter. <laughs> okay, one more, one more. We are all stars. Okay, technically we're made out of stardust. Uh, recent research found that humans in the galaxy share 97% of the same kind of atoms. Mm. Why, have mm. they ever captured a star before? Uh, I, I, <laughs> <laughs> well, humans are full of gas. Gas. Yeah. A gaseous giant. <laughs> Speak Gas yourself. explosions. Uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you, you threw me off with that. Have they ever captured a star? <laughs> I really had to think about that. I was like, uh, I don't think. How do they know, though? Like, you got, know what I mean? They got yeah. measurements made up. Uh, they, uh, here we go. It's a hypothesis. Research. Here we go. <laughs> <laughs> no, what they do is they have. Tools yes. that can go out there and measure what's in, what's out there, right? So samples, yeah, yeah. You know, like um, let's see, like like I, I guess at 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 a, at a hospital they have all those scanning machines and stuff yeah. like that. Kind of works the same way. Like they can pick up certain stuff, you know, like or else like a camera can see certain types Things, of light. Yeah. Same thing. That's okay. how they. Do. <laughs> this guy's too bad. Um. I wait, I'm, 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 wait, I'm waiting for the flat earther to chime in. <laughs> nah, I recuse myself. We'll be here all night. <laughs> right. We'll be here all night with that back and forth. Yeah. So there you have it, ladies and gentlemen. We are all stars. All star dunkers. All star dunkers and biters. Even that. That group of rabbi fluffles. <laughs> but that's pretty much all we got for that. All right, all right, all right. Well, I think we're all warmed up. I feel warmed up over here. I feel good about this. Right on, right on, right on. So, you guys ready to get into the main topic of our episode? Absolutely. <clears throat> All right, DJ, if you're queued up, well, why don't you hit me with that beat? Ayo, let's get into our topic. Ayo, let's get into our topic.
Spoken Words, episode 54. We're sitting with Mr. Appleseed here this evening. How are you doing, sir? Doing good. Right on, right on. Thank you for joining us on our episode this evening. Um, and we're just going to go through a series of questions that we got that we prepared for you. And feel free to just, you know, share with us. Um, your experience, strength, and hope, and we'll start off with JC with his questions, and we'll go over to Randy, and then I'll finish it up with some of my questions. Uh, okay, so uh, what I just wanted to, I guess, let you go ahead and you know tell us a little bit about your just the the a brief history of Mister Appleseed, like you know what you, how you, where you grew up, how you grew up, how you got into uh, the abuse of drugs and alcohol, that kind of thing. Yeah. Um, see, I grew up in uh, Ranchester, Wyoming. My grandma moved there from Wyola. Uh, she moved from Wyola to Ranchester, Wyoming, kind of like her attempt to get us away from the reservation and uh, the environment, I guess. Yeah. And uh, that kind of didn't really work out because a lot of the, the kids I ran around with over there, their fathers were kind of into weed and stuff, so I was kind of introduced to weed at a early age over there and the alcohol, you know, you know how white people are like they have their shelves and stuff just laying it out. Yeah. Yeah, so it kinda started pretty early. And um kinda started running around with the wrong crowd, breaking into stores over there. Then I went to Oregon for um for school, boarding school, Chamala. Hey, I went to school there. Yeah, I went over there, and then that's where I kind of got introduced to the hustling side of everything. Started uh, selling everything and anything. And came back home and you know, thought I was something I wasn't, and got caught up with some bullshit and got sent away in prison. And uh, that's when I kind of figured, you know, like, I got to make a change in my life because I lost two years of my life to alcohol, breaking into a liquor store and stuff. And um, kind of promised myself when I was locked up in there, you know, like I'm not going to drink when I get out. Uh, kind of first thing I did when I got out was had a beer and kind of felt like a failure and held on to that for a long time. And, yeah, just kind of up and down, trying sobriety here and there and never really found the right tools. Kind of really didn't accept AA, all that stuff. Wasn't... Uh, Ready to reach out and stuff. Does it be? Does he think that it just that AA just kind of wasn't for you? Like, yeah, kind of. Uh, first time I got introduced to AA actually was in prison too, but I used to just go for the cookies and uh, coffee. It was real coffee too. Yeah. And uh, the guy that hosted the AA meetings in there, he was from the outs. You know, um, giving his time to go. You know, have an AA meeting in jail, and. Uh, you know, all they ask you to share your stories and stuff, but I never shared. And one time he just kind of asked me, when, you think you're an alcoholic? And uh, I wasn't ready to admit to myself I was an alcoholic, even though my crime was stealing from a liquor store, like 65 bottles, and still was an alcoholic in my eyes. <laughs> oh, wait, oh and, okay, so um, what were you, were you in Chamawa? Just kind of going off topic real quick. Um. 2003, I believe, I started there. Oh, okay. Did you finish? <clears throat> Almost. I was like four credits away. Oh, okay. 
Then I got kicked out for um, getting caught with some Obaja, some marijuana. Yeah, I was there way before that, but yeah. uh, that's another story. <laughs> yeah, I'll, I'll leave that alone. <laughs> Something popped in my mind, but I'm like, no, nah, I better not. <laughs> so, um, <clears throat> go ahead. Oh, I, I was waiting for you to keep interviewing. But uh, with all that being said, like you were talking about, like, Going to Tumawa, getting involved in in the wrong crowd because of your previous experience in Wyoming. I guess my question would lead um, to your next step. Like, what inside of you? Like, when did you decide? You you were stating earlier that you weren't ready to admit that you were an alcoholic, <clears throat> that your crime involved stealing alcohol. What? Did it take for you to admit that the problem was staring you in the face? Um, man, I don't know. Like previously, I went to Seal Relief, and uh, they kind of opened up the doors to a lot of things, and um, you know how like they have uh different um like subjects or whatever, like yeah, how they go down and break it down for you, and like how much you drank and what you did to get your drink and all that stuff. And then that, that's when kind of like reality hit me like, oh shit, man, I'm part of that, you know? Yeah. And uh, Like how I was like depending on it or like scared to not have any the next time I woke up. So I was stashing and just kind of reality hit. And that's when I was kind of like, it was hard. It's hard to admit, but. So when you came to the realization of, of alcohol being a problem in your life, did you quit right there, or did no, you? No, uh-uh. no, it, it took, uh, like, to me, it kind of felt like they were kind of like, uh, well, in my mind, I kind of thought I was, like, building up my, my strength to control it. Mm. I thought I could control my alcohol consumption and, you know, put barriers up or boundaries, you know, like, like try to be responsible with it. But once I would pick it up again, then I was just, End up where I was, you know? So, I guess my next question would be like, okay, so you didn't admit in prison that alcohol was a problem, and then you got to the point in treatment at Silver Relief where you were hit with the reality that it was a problem, but it still didn't stop you from using. No. Um, What was different between your prison experience in treatment and then your outside experience and treatment like what was the difference there and what was your thought process <clears throat> i think being locked up um you no know, i kind of caught myself like uh because i to me i was supposed to be the one that you know graduated high school and went to college and stuff and and i beat myself up for a long time over that and uh met a native in there and you know kind of took me under his wing and kind of kept me away from that that out uh, that prison life like the gangs and all that, and um, just told me to, you know, do my own time, and I uh, got my GD in there, and in Wyoming they have a, they have a different system too, kind of, well, kind of same here in Montana too though, but they had a boot camp and um, they had a working honor farm, and that's where I ended up, and you know they kind of tried to get you ready for, you know, society. And uh, that's what I was working towards was to uh, become a forestry kind of dude, but that didn't fall through either. 
I just ended up doing the rest of my time in the kitchen. And so, like, I didn't really care after that, you know. Like, my plans weren't working out, so I was like, oh, fuck it, you know, just still keep using and stuff. Because, uh, you know, it wasn't too hard to find it in there. But uh, one thing I didn't do was drink in there, but I did, you know, smoke weed. And so, yeah. Uh, and I thought, like, holding or getting away from alcohol was, like, the, the main goal. But, you know, like, marijuana was still present in my life when I was standing yeah. there. So marijuana was an addiction, too. Oh, yeah. Okay. And then, like, what was different out here being at Silverleaf? Like, did you kind of come to a point where you're like, man, um, did you kind of come to a point where you're like, man, I want to try differently? Or were you just like, I want to play the game? Or, you know, what was different in your Silverleaf experience than? Yeah, I was I was just playing a program in there. Um, I was just, you know, because I, I still thought I could um, be that um, responsible drinker and, you know, just have a few and, you know, enjoy life like that way. But uh, I wasn't because every time I picked up, um, picked back, up alcohol, man, I was just back to where I was started. I would do good for like six months, and I didn't have the tools I have now to keep continuing in sobriety. Okay. And um, so I guess we kind of got your story about before prison, during prison. What led you to the point where you're at now? Like, <laughs> Where you said, you know what, man, I'm going to put all this stuff away. I'm going to, you know, I want to try this recovery thing. Like, what led you to that point? Like, where where did you, what made you decide that recovery was worth it? Um, Honestly, my family and um, my own thoughts, being miserable all the time and uh, feeling like I wasn't going anywhere in life and uh, just being stuck in one spot. Over and over, that that was getting tiring, and um, now like in my sobriety, you know, I only got like ninety days, but um, a lot's been accomplished. Within just those ninety days, a lot's been accomplished, and um, I'm just grateful for it. My connection with God is getting stronger every day. Every day, my my wife's killing it too, Tanya. Tanya Okao, man, she's killing it right now too. She's uh, actually, she's right now, she's at school, so you know, we're both in recovery, too. She, I have a little bit of, like, about a week on her, but she's uh, 90 days, 90 days also. So, sorry, you got anything? Yeah. <clears throat> so, I know you guys, just re- I, I know you, Johnny, recently just celebrated 90 days, so congratulations on that. That's pretty awesome. Um, hey, ha, ha. hey, 90 days. Hey, 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 um, any amount of recovery is huge. Yes, absolutely. Um, 
a lot of our brothers and sisters, you know, never had one day of recovery, you know, they passed in their addiction. So any amount of recovery that you got under your belt, it's huge and worth building on. I guess one of my questions is, you know, early, you're early in recovery. I remember that time. I always try to keep that fresh. Um, What are some changes that you've seen in the past 90 days and some change in your life that kind of reinforce your recovery? Um, The joy of just actually doing Mm -hmm. the program and not not having that attitude of having to do it. Um, I get to do it now, you know? Yeah. Just waking up every day and being grateful. Not not just rolling out of here. Yeah. Yeah, that's awesome, man. Um, I I still I still use that, you know, today, you know, yeah. being on my walk on the red road is just to have that gratefulness, you know, just be thankful that I get to get up and do these things. I get to do these things. That's so huge. Yeah. The joy, yeah, that joy, man, it's, it's like this life is so much better. Oh, yeah. You know, just like being sober-minded, Never have to wake wake up with the withdrawals, the hangovers. You know, you just wake up. Might be a little groggy. You need some coffee, but that's it. You don't need to. You don't need to nurse a can or anything yeah, like yeah. that. <clears throat> yeah, and that's really cool. And one thing that I noticed, you know, is like you jump right in. You know, with the with service work, you want to do this. You know, you're like yeah. we, we've had conversations on. So, what are kind of what are your what are your plans to kind of keep your recovery strong what are things you're already doing right now and then what are things that you plan on doing to keep going on the red road yeah like like that's what you say you know just jumping in and uh before i used to be hesitant about anything you know just kind of yeah not even try anything new especially like this podcast you know like before i would have been like oh no i'm all right you know not even trying to, <laughs> yeah not even trying to share nothing but now yeah, yeah. Man, just uh god opening up you know doors for me and I'm just stepping through. Right on, right on. Yeah, that's cool. That's real cool. Um, <clears throat> so what do you think, like, you personally, um, you knowing yourself better, What, where does your focus have to be as far as, you know, what you got to do every day, day in, day out for your recovery? Uh, number one thing is prayer and um, reaching out to, you know, like, to you and the sponsor. Um yeah. to other you know, other people that are trying to recover too. And uh, I find that happening uh happening with my wife right now too, you know. She has uh, mm-hmm. some certain family members and friends re- reaching out to her, you know. They kinda wanna stop drinking too and they don't know where to start. And I kinda wanna yeah. be that that uh, little push and to where do they need to go and you know, just giving that helping hand. That, I don't, that's I don't. that's a huge thing too is like um you know what they always say is we can't keep what we have unless we give it mm-hmm. away right <clears throat> and um mm-hmm. and, and and to be honest i got to tell you that you know you, you said you were hesitant in the past but you know to come on like say a podcast and share yeah and trust me i know that that that's that's a hard thing to do to put yourself out there like that yeah yeah because you know we do it you know all that I mean, we've been doing it so yeah. we're kind of used to it and Anybody that's been listening to us for a while, they already know our stories, right? Yeah. And so 
with that being said, you know, the more you do it, the more you reach out, the more you try to help people, the more you um, tell your tell your truth and then offer your experience, strength, and your hope. The easy not only does it become easier, but you before you know it, there are going to be people that get back to you and say, "Man, this guy, you know, this Johnny man, I heard him and that really helped me out." Yeah, that means I can do it too. Yeah, and so you know, just by Show, showing that vulnerability is showing your strength. Oh yeah. And it, at first, that doesn't make sense. Like that didn't make sense to me when they when they said that to me. Yeah. I thought that was kind of like an oxymoron, right? Those, yeah, yeah. Those two things don't make sense together. But it, but it's the truth, right? So, I just want to, you know, um, commend you, you know, on your ninety days, and uh, let you know right now that there are people right there who are listening to this and saying this guy is an inspiration to me. Yeah. So, uh, yes, sir. That uh, what is it? Ninety days ain't nothing to like. Uh, what is it? What's, uh, what's the terminology? I'm for smile at, blink at. Um, it's huge, man. And there's a saying within the rooms, you know, take stock in how far you've come. Um, because it is, it's it's a, it's a huge thing, and um i I always figure you know it's never too early to like jump in and start helping and stuff and that's really cool to 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 see and it's inspiring to me and like yes right on yeah you know someone else has you know caught that caught that bug caught that itch to like be of service because that that's where i'm at you know um when i started walking red road i wanted to that's my main goal and it's still my main goal um, it's, I want to help yeah. right along the lines of what you're saying. You just want to be that little spark for someone else, that little nudge yeah, to yeah. get them over there to the red road, you know, just to help them along. That's pretty cool. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> I know you shared with me something about, you know, getting to meetings. You want to talk about that kind of that determination you got, um, with or without a ride. Just kind oh, of yeah, talk about yeah. that. Yeah, um, like the way I kind of thought about it was, uh, you know, like I used to walk, Miles just for one liquor store or something, you know, like even yeah. rain, snow, didn't matter, you know. And uh, it's like, why, why can't I put that in for my recovery, you know? So yeah. I walk to five ten to cook, or you know, if there's another meeting, sometimes downtown, you know, it's, it's not, it's not impossible just to walk. Yeah, yeah, that's pretty awesome. I know you shared with me too, like that. There are times like your ride didn't come through and you're feeling tired and you're like, man, then you're like, man, I'm just going to go. Yeah. Yeah. You jumped up, put your shoes on. And you said you felt way better by the yeah. time you got to the meeting. After like, oh, man, I'm glad yeah. I came, you know. Uh, that's pretty inspiring to me. You know, it's like, heck yeah. Because same mental state for me is like, man, I drove 90 miles round trip through a blizzard just so I could get a half a G, <laughs> yeah, yeah. you know, just like silly, stupid stuff like that. So I'm, I gotta be willing to drive through a blizzard to get to a meeting. Yeah. Yeah. You know what I mean? So those trips yeah, to that's pretty cool. That's what it was. Like. <laughs> yeah. And I think that's, that's kind of like what separates people that really want something versus those that are just talk. Right. Yeah. Because that's one of my biggest things is like, man, with the same tenacity that we chased our addiction, whether that be drugs, alcohol, um, 
whatever. Like nothing stopped us. And then when it comes to recovery, we kind of become babies. Yeah, yeah. We're like, oh, my ride didn't come. I'm not going to go anymore. And then recovery ain't even worth it. You know what I'm going to do? I'm going to go get a bottle. I'm going to go get a shot. Like, you know, like, and and Mm -hmm. it's like, we want people to baby us because yeah. of all this effort that we're using to not use. Yeah, that was a, that was a big thing I had to grow out of too. Self pity. Yeah, yeah. Right, but I know. think that separates. Um, and when I first got sober, I would walk. Yeah. Uh, not to a meeting or anything, but you know, the, my path of recovery was a little bit different. But I would walk. You know what I mean? Like. Yeah, just to clear your mind. Yeah, like yeah. I would. I would. Um, I would walk to the cat meeting and stuff. Yeah. I went to sit the highway, bro. <laughs> nice. Like, I remember, like, even going into the jail and doing a Bible study, and I was living in Wyola at the time in those apartments. Oh, yeah, yeah. And, man, I had Bible study at 10 o'clock in the morning, so at 7 I was outside, like, because I didn't know if somebody would pick me up. Yeah. I'm like, man, you know what? I'm just going to keep walking until somebody yes, picks sir. me up. Yeah, so I would go out there, and I would just start walking. Pick you up, huh? Yeah, this guy picked me up and yeah. took me. Like, I even got a ride from some, some drunk people. Yeah, yeah. I think they gave me a ride. Like, you sure you don't want to shout him? Like, no, I'm no, good. yeah. <laughs> like, what are you doing? I'm like, I'm going to go do a Bible study at the jail. I think it started at 9, 9 or 10 on Saturday, but went in there, preached a little bit, and came out, you know? Nah. Like, but nothing, like, like nothing stopped me, yeah, you know? So yeah. nothing was going to stop me when I was chasing my sobriety. So, man, that's commendable. Yeah. Keep it up. Mm-hmm. It is in it. Randy, the 13th apostle. <laughs> <laughs> and he ain't even trying to preach. <laughs> <laughs> but I, I was just going to say is that that right there, you know, uh, my, my ride didn't come through or, you know, oh, I have to walk. Oh, yeah, yeah. It, 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 it's, easy, it's easy to say, all right, well, I'll just stay home. I'll just yeah. stay home. But then it becomes easier to 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 say that the next time and the next time and then before yeah. you know it it's like I won't walk to a meeting but I know where there's a liquor store right yeah so that to me it just shows not only your determination but your willingness yeah like you are willing to do whatever it takes and that's that 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 that's a huge thing because I know in the past too like I basically the same story like I knew I knew I had a problem I knew there were places where I could get go to get help in fact, you know, in and out yeah, of treatment, yeah. but the willingness part of it, yeah. like I wasn't willing to do everything or anything and everything yeah. that I had to. And I could, you know, see myself in that same situation in the past saying, well, if I have to walk, then, you know, I'll just wait. I'll go to the next one. Yeah. Yeah. yeah so that's, that's, that, that's a huge, uh, you know, that too is commendable. I mean, it just shows your willingness and that's a, that was a hard hump for me to get over. Yeah, and um, one of the other things too was uh, you know, in Silverly, one of the recommendations was uh, our requirements was to attend meetings, and we had to get a slip signed and signed by the opening person. Yeah, and um, you know, like at at that point, I was like, oh man, I gotta go to A and get this signed, and you know, like now I kind of find myself thinking like, oh, you know, now I have to take this piece of paper, get it signed. I just want to be at this meeting. Without worrying about getting a piece of paper slant, you know, and uh, yeah, our requirements in the court we're in right now is uh, two meetings a week, but um, I go to more than that during the week, and you know, it, it feels better not having to 
take my piece of paper after I get two signatures. So uh, one thing I don't have to worry about. And then uh, uh, my past recoveries, I just only go to get the slip signed. And it got to the point where I was uh, forging um, the signatures where I didn't even go to AA meetings. So I was kind of yeah. just cheating myself, not knowing it either. Mm-hmm. And I used to do that for people. Yeah. <laughs> that people in the Alpha House and stuff. <laughs> but it's crazy because, like, now, like, I would never do that, like, because my conviction is like, no, I'm not going to help you. you yeah. Know? I'm not going to help you lie, like. Cheat yourself. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Ultimately, that's what it is. Yeah. <laughs> but back then, I was like, "Yeah, I'll sign here." <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> and uh, there was there was a little crew in that too. Really. Make up names and sign- yeah. signature our own slips. You know, like I grab my friend's slip and sign a signature and just make up a name. And uh, they they didn't catch on to that, but you know, it was more or less that we were cheating ourselves. And it's yeah. crazy too because uh, I ran into those same buddies. You know. Um, during our recovery time, and then I ran into them when I relapsed again. You know, like just seeing them in the relapse and the addiction, you know, miserable and not knowing where we were going in life. It was kind of like a wake up yeah. call, too. Yeah, all because you forged them signatures. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I know. There's this, um, there's these one guy that. They just sent in. I was running talking circles. It was like four years ago, 2017. <clears throat> they just sent in their slips. And then, like, what I did when I chaired was, like, I just hang on to the slips and then give it to the person that whoever slip it was, I'd read their name off and give it to them. Yeah. And then there was, like, two more. And then the glass guy was just standing there. And he's like, oh, my buddy sent that in. And I said, well, tell him to come in. I said, where they at? And he said, he's just sitting outside on the steps. And I said, tell him to come in. Yeah, and he came in, and I told him too. I was like, <clears throat> I was like, I'll sign this now, but I'm not going to do that again. And I said, because I signed it, you owe me a meeting. Oh, so nice. I'll see you next week at seven thirty. Yeah, and then and I, then that guy started showing up every week after that. Yeah, I didn't think he would, but he did. He just kept coming back. He's like, man, thanks for inviting me back, and blah blah blah. Yeah, and yeah. he wasn't even native. Wasn't even native cat. Nice. The tough love. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That was hard, man. It was kind of motivational um, interviewing yeah. skills in play. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <clears throat> so, what is like? What's one thing like? I guess what's a like a like testimony? Like, you want to talk about some things that are not only going good for yourself, but just something that's you know where it didn't seem like there'd be a way, but you just stuck with it, and now there's a way. You want to talk about that? Um, kind of like how? <clears throat> uh, just like a testimony, like it just kind of like something that's good, you know, giving glory to about it, your creator and stuff. Oh yeah, through just past ninety days and stuff. Yeah, just getting me out of um, out of that darkness, man. Just you know that that darkness of self pity and you know destroying myself and um, getting stuck the mindset of not being able to ever get out of it. And how how simple it was just to get out of it, you know, like just start praying and just start taking that step and walking and stop talking about it. Um mm. you know, just giving myself to to about a deal too, you know, giving my life to mm-hmm. 
And um, I just tell you that my past now is, I love it. You know, recovery is beautiful. Yeah. Right on, man. That's cool. <laughs> and I guess my last question here is um, what, I guess, what are some, like, what, someone that's new to recovery, like yourself, you know, someone maybe got like 20 days, someone that has a week or someone that has 30 days. Yeah. What's some advice that you can give to them? You know, feel free to tell a story or whatever too. Yeah. Um, and you know, pray. That's number one thing. And, uh, don't be afraid to reach out. You know, that's, uh, that's kind of a hard thing to do. That was a hard thing to do in the past too, was reaching out, you know, thinking, um, that somebody wasn't going to listen. You're not alone in this. Right on. Yeah, right on. Yeah, that's for sure. And those are it's like very simple things, but when we're in our addiction or like new to recovery, they seem monumental. Yeah, yeah. But then like just picking up that phone or come going up to somebody's like, Hey man, you got time to talk real quick or um just do it. You know, just yeah. go do that. Like you need help, man, reach out. Reach out to somebody. Yeah. Uh, reach out to unspoken words. Reach out to someone at a talking circle, at an A meeting, wherever you're going. Reach out to a pastor, priest, a rabbi. Yeah. <laughs> a fuffle. Yeah. A fuffle. A fuffle. A fuffle. A rabbi. I think you said something interesting earlier. You were talking about like being grateful. And mm. and um, I, I think you were talking about like being grateful to be in recovery. But even now, like I'm almost seven years sober, but I can remember, February, like, yeah. yeah, February 2nd, I believe, um, will be seven years. But even this morning, like I woke up and I'm like, man, thank you for giving me a second chance. Yeah. Like I, mm. I mean, not to, like I never lose my gratefulness yeah. to be able to experience life with a sober lens. Yeah. Um, my daughter wouldn't have the life she has now. Yeah, yeah. Um, if I didn't choose this path, and that's kind of like a motivating factor for me. But nine out of ten times, my first words out of my mouth every morning are like, "Thank you for you know the second chance," because I almost lost mm -hmm. my, almost lost my life in my addiction. Oh wow! Um, Friday was actually seven year anniversary from my yeah. overdose. Awesome. Dude, I had an outer body experience, and um, it never hit me till the end of the night. And I think I texted the group chat, and I'm like, "Yo, like, this is my seven, like, this is seven year anniversary. Seven years ago today, um, I overdosed, and I remember it was seven o'clock, like, and I left my body, and I was like, I got transported to where my daughter was, and I saw, like, this roof just opened up, like it was like a, yeah, it just opened up." And I saw my daughter on this side, and she was learning how to crawl. She was giggling. And, man, I remember looking at the clock as I was leaving that room, and it was 7 o'clock on the dot, bro, like 7 p.m. And, um, like, I saw it, and I'm like, man, like, don't let me grow up without – don't let my daughter grow up without me. Yeah, yeah. Give me a chance mm -hmm. to be your dad. And, and when I said that, dude, like, I immediately shot back into the emergency room. Like, just beep, beep. Like, oh, yeah. man, I could hear all those machines and everything. I'm like, man. And me in my addictive state, like, man, I tore all those IVs out of both arms. Yeah. And I signed myself out of the hospital and left. Can you imagine? Like, oh, 
<laughs> I made it to the liquor store right before closing time. Got a bottle. Went and stayed at the house. But because of that experience, like, man, even today, like, I never forget. I don't live there, but I'm grateful. Like, I truly am grateful for a second shot at life. Yeah. Because mm-hmm. I have too many mm-hmm. friends and family that aren't here today. Yeah. That's, yeah. You yeah. know? Um, so, yeah, man, never lose that gratitude. Oh, yeah. And even in the, even in our worst days, like, even in our worst times, like, there's always something to be grateful for. Yeah, yeah. You know, yesterday was an extremely tough day for me, but I woke up this morning. Yeah. And I was like, man, thank you. You know? Oh, yeah. So. Thank you. Yeah, definitely that attitude of gratitude is like, kind of along the lines of what you were talking about. Like, I see my kids benefiting from my recovery. Yeah, same here. And, and, um,. Man, even when I'm talking about it now, it's like bringing up emotion. Like <clears throat> that just makes me very grateful that they get to benefit from my recovery. Because in my addiction, man, I didn't care if I seen them or not. My focus was that half a G. Yeah. And so today, you know, I like seeing them, like just going to school, just dropping them off at school or going to their games. You know, me being there is like. And it makes me really thankful. So that attitude of gratitude is, I know it's a cliche, but it's like very true, man. It's very, very true. And that's like what Randy said, man, don't, don't lose that. Yeah. Cause like we, we, uh, as addicts, like we tend to get into that self pity mode. Yeah. You know, this ain't working for me. This ain't working for me. And create um, chaos. <laughs> yeah. And one thing that I like to do too is like, um, Whenever I'm getting into that where, you know, life seems hard or the day's just been hard, but then I'm blowing it up. It's like, oh, life sucks and stuff like that. I'll stop <laughs> and I'll write out like 20 things I'm grateful for. Oh, yeah. And what usually happens is like that list it goes to like 40 or 50. Because once I start writing things out, grateful, that I'm grateful for, man, I just, I, I just keep going. And I just keep going and I just keep going because we do have a lot to be grateful for and I'm glad you brought that up. Yeah. <clears throat> you got anything, Mr. Boma? <clears throat> well, that, that, yeah, that gratitude, but uh, you also said um, the first thing that you were talking about, the first thing was prayer, right? Yeah. Or mm. uh, communion with your your higher power, however you understand that, however you come to terms with that. That's great. I support it. Um, that's that's another important. Like for me, you know, we were when listening to these guys talk. You know, there there's there's good days and there's bad days. That's just the way life is, right? Yeah. yeah. Um, but now that we're learning the the skills and 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 the coping mechanisms to deal with that in a healthy way, um, for me, I, I still get into this whole like letting my mind run away with me, right? I you know. Yeah. Um. Just just off the wall stuff you know if i let it go i let it go but there are times you know in the middle of the day in the middle of work i'll sit there and then i'll stop you know stop my thoughts hey wait hold on and then i'll just start praying yeah right even while i'm standing there working and so i think you know for me that was an important that that was the first thing too oh was, yeah was was the spiritual side of it getting back to you know my connection to god about idea yeah 
and and saying, "Hey, I I I need you. You created me, and for whatever reason, I'm still standing here yep. after yep. all the <clears throat> things that I've done to myself, and then of course all the horrible things I did to other people oh, yeah. along the way. I'm still standing here, and I I there are times when I hurt and I struggle, and I want to get on that pity pot, and I yeah. want to, you know, I just want to." throw the biggest pity party around (laughs) and but i go i go back to that you know i just pray and i say can you help me because you know the enemy the enemy's attacking and i can't do it by myself yeah and so i think that's uh, that you brought up a real huge point because it seems to me and i could be wrong i could be off base but it seems to me like almost to the person every person that we've talked to like that was one of the first things that that they they uh came to terms with yeah, it was their relationship to a higher power? Yeah, and so I think you know that's that was that helps. Yeah, I mean, it, it's an important thing. Like and like I said, however you come to terms with it, that's that's you yeah, know, it's, it's a personal thing. You know, yeah, it's, a, yeah, it's their own journey. Yeah, it's yeah. their own journey. For sure. Well, <clears throat> that's all our questions for this evening. Mr. Uh, old Coyote, thank you for joining us here on Unspoken Words, episode 54. Any last words before we conclude the interview? Uh, I just want to say thank you for this opportunity and uh, you know, getting a little bit of my story out there and hopefully it reaches out to somebody out there struggling. And uh, shout, out to my, shout out to my wife. She's she's on the grind, too. She's over there at the Lincoln Center getting her GD. Right on. That's right. awesome. Uh, we'll have to get her in here next time. Yeah. She's yeah. So well. yeah, once you get to that uh, one year mark, we'll have you back. All right. All right. It's a date, a yeah. man date. <laughs> <laughs> That's really a million. Million. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Right on. <clears throat> all right. Is it on pause now? <clears throat> all right. All right. All right. Um, that was a good interview, Mr. Old Child, and and I was I was inspired. But right now we'll go into some reflections on the interview, and I'll start with Mr. Beaumont. Yeah, <clears throat> I thought you know I think it's important that we we had somebody in here that that is relatively fresh to recovery because yes, sir. because it, it man it, it takes me back you know because everybody has that ninety day point right. Everybody, yep. everybody has that first day, that first week, that first thirty days, that ninety days, and that's a huge thing. I mean, we already talked about it earlier. Ninety days yep. is nothing to sneeze at. That is huge. That's awesome. That's a great accomplishment. Heck yeah! And and it just kind of you know it 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 recharges my batteries. It, yep. And, and it's that's you know something I'm always looking for. You know what can I do to kind of kind of you know, pump me up again. And, and that, that's, that's what his story did for me. It's, it's just, it's pretty awesome. And I'm really, I'm, I'm happy. I, my heart soars like the hawk. I am so very happy to be here. <laughs> but, but it's an inspiring like thing. A hero. <laughs> How do you feel? I feel like a hero. But it's very inspirational, and it's and it's it's important that you know people know that you know you just just wake up and all of a sudden you got a year or two years. You know you have to start from somewhere, and that's the kind of determination and willingness that we need to hear from. Yeah. Yep. Definitely. Definitely. 
I feel you on that one. Um, Mr. Randy B. Everything that JC said. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> Excuse me. But, um, I mean, I definitely thought it, it was it was awesome. It's always good to see somebody that's super fresh to recovery. Um, 90 days really isn't nothing to blink at. It's an accomplishment. And I remember um, being new in my sobriety right around, I, I believe that I was around 120 days when I came home. Um, but there was always somebody that I looked at who... Like, he, I believe he was celebrating a year. And I was like, man, I can't mm. wait till I get that year. Like, I had it in my mindset. Like, I can remember it, like, sitting in the living room that of the house that I was living in. And I remember that, like, scrolling on social media and seeing that he was celebrating a year. And I'm like, man, I can't wait till I get that. So I've always, like, I saw somebody that was, like, a role model, and he didn't even know it at the time. But I'm like, man, yeah. I, I can't wait till I get that. Like, you know what I mean? Mm. To yeah, celebrate yeah, yeah. that one year because I had never made it to a year before. Yeah. And when I got to that year, I'm like, man, there's really nothing different. I can't wait till I get that two year. You know what I mean? I went from count, counting days to counting weeks to counting months to counting years. And, yep. you know, putting one, one foot in front of the other. And now I'm closer to seven years than I am to the last time I drank or used dope. Um, yeah. So just like getting that perspective, I'm like, man, like that's awesome because I remember those feelings. I remember how I felt. I remember like the thought process at the time. And and now I'm like, man, like I can't wait to celebrate seven years, you know, because it's, it's still like to me, it's that freshness. Like remaining, like never forgetting where you came from, but not living where you came from, if that makes sense. Yeah. Like keeping my mm-hmm. eyes forward, but also bringing to my remembrance like how it was out there because I never want to forget that. But that's what, you know, like such an amazing story going from, you know, where he was, going from prison to coming out here to where he's headed now. And it's an inspiring story, and I'm sure that somebody out there will benefit from this young man opening up his mouth. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm reminded of a verse in the Bible. He, uh, Mordecai was talking to Esther, who was called to uh, a certain position in the kingdom of God. And he told her, he said, if you don't open your mouth, relief and deliverance for God's people is going to come from a different place. Mm-hmm. And I believe that mm-hmm. us, like if we don't, if we keep our mouth shut about our sobriety and about our recovery, then these people that are looking for sobriety and recovery, their deliverance or their freedom is going to come from somebody else that has the courage and the boldness to share their story. Mm-hmm. Because I believe that there are addicts and alcoholics out there that do not want to use but they're yeah. stuck in their addiction. They're stuck. Like they're miserable. They know they're miserable, yep. but but they're unfamiliar with people that are successful in their sobriety, or they think that mm. it can never be done. So when you have somebody that's fresh, saying, "Man, I went through the withdrawals. I went through. You know what I mean? Like I went through all the hard part, and now my goal is to get ahead." Like I think that's inspiring, man. 
Yes, sir. It is. I didn't even try to preach. And he ain't even trying to preach, yo. But sometimes um, it's yeah. just in you, you know? Sometimes it's just... No, nah, I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, man. My reflection on the interview is ditto to what you guys said. And also, man, it was just kind of like... It, it took me back, like, what both of you guys were saying. Now, we got to keep that fresh, like, like the struggle, you know, especially that first year, that first 90 days. Like I remember, my when I got to ninety days, I made sure I went to like the two meetings I was hitting up regularly, and I got my coin, and man, I felt good to just be in a room basically of strangers. But man, they were hooting and hollering, cheering me on, and I was just like, wow, man, it brought me to tears, and I was just like so thankful. Like that coin just symbolized like my determination and how much, you know, meetings I was going to. And like, it was just that coin just represented like change for the better. And it was just like, I was so happy. And, and plus <clears throat> on the flip side too, like at my 60 days, that's when I fired my sponsor and got into arguing with him. And he was like saying that stuff to me. Like, what do you know? You only got 60 days. I got 12 years. And I remember in the midst of, you know, those hooting, hollering by the people that were at the A meeting, at the PAR meeting, like, I was just thinking of that guy that I fired, and I was like, yes, yeah, so I'll show you, I'll show you, you know, and then boom, then I got to six months, and I was like, just like, you know, that, that was a drive for me, someone who thought I didn't know anything, somebody that thought I couldn't make it because I was Native, because, um, <clears throat> Like, he didn't think I could do it without him or something, you know? Mm -hmm. It was like, I was relying on God. I was relying on the fellowship of the rooms. And I was able to hit those um, <clears throat> hit those 90 days, hit that six months. But that 90 days, I remember it was just, like, so awesome. I was like, I did it. I can do this. And I was like, I got the formula now. I know what it takes to stay sober. I know what I got to do to keep going on this red road. And it's like, I'm already doing it. So I'm just going to keep going. So that was like, that took me right back tonight. Johnny's story was just like, man, I remember that. And I remember that joy coming back slowly and, and just like growing and growing. That joy, that hope was just like, it just felt like brand new. And I was walking down this new path and I was going down this new path and I was part of my kids' lives and I was doing good at work again, you know, and I was actually being a dad and that was so huge to me. And <clears throat> so, yeah, man, it was a really good interview tonight. And as always, thank you to gentlemen for bringing it like you always do. 54 weeks in a row, unspoken words. Episode you know 52, saying? the Ed Pinkney episode. thought it was 54. <laughs> oh, I said 54, <laughs> I mean. <laughs> Buck Williams. <laughs> the Buck Williams episode. Randy Buck Williams episode. <laughs> oh, man. <laughs> oh, this kid is 
talking about pizza ranch. <laughs> we gotta, <laughs> we gotta have one. Uh, Randy isms. <laughs> yeah. We still need to put together the vague show. <laughs> I know, man. Mm. The vague show. <laughs> Welcome to the vague show. <laughs> I like the real cheesy music. <laughs> right on, right on, man. I appreciate you guys. Any last words before we close out the episode? No, sir. Earth is definitely not flat. Man. It is flat. <laughs> I get cheeks. <laughs> 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 flat as a fry bread. Just as lumpy. Yeah, just as lumpy. <laughs> All right, cool, cool, man. Episode 54 on Spoken Words. Thank you for joining us this week. We love you. We appreciate you, all our listeners. Shout out to our sponsors, Diamond Floberg Realty, Barjon Books, Riverstone, uh, Yakowich Family, uh, Belling's First Church. Thank you. We appreciate you guys. We'll be back. I'll be back in Belling's next week, and we'll be back better than ever. So peace out. Word. Deuces. Chinook. Yo, Josiah Mo Fire, aka Mo Hugs Not Drugs. Thanks for tuning in. Peace.